Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 248 of Storyteller Conclave. This is a show all, all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game that you can, whether you're a new storyteller or dungeon master learning the craft or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game to the next level. I'm Sarah. I'm Rob. How are we doing, Rob? <sighs> it's I, I, Therapy Wednesday. It's Therapy Wednesday. It's, it's ther- Therapy Wednesday. It's definitely Therapy Wednesday. And it's a new month. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm having a tough time making the serotonin come out of the old brain meats today. So yeah. I can really use the company and the therapy. And yeah, the I think I think we both need this for different reasons. Like, you definitely need the serotonin pickup, and I need a little less anxiety. Yup. I think that's kind of where I'm at. And it, it's work-related. It's it's... It, it's it's I would say ninety five percent work and five percent. Hey, how's your D six campaign release coming out? You uh you uh how's a how's a book coming there? Exactly. Uh, you uh you writing the book? Uh, you got the you got the intro chapter written for it? Yeah, uh, you got you some working really hard wrote, on? Wrote up wrote up some some NPCs there? Or yeah. you, uh, <laughs> Kinda. You, you so. got a setting? Uh, you gonna get a little outline? You yeah. didn't gonna do the schedule zero session zero? <laughs> yeah, pretty much, pretty much. So. Uh, but, uh, it, it is coming along. Actually, it was funny. It was my therapist actually asked me about it. She's like, so I was told by you to check in with me on this. And I went, oh, that's right. I did make that mistake. Didn't I? Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, she checked in on me with that. And, yeah. Uh, it was good. It was good though. She, mm-hmm. she, it, it was a, it was a good test for her as well of like, let's see how she does this to me. And honestly, she was fantastic. So, oh yeah, so yeah, that's yeah. that's good. When 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 you have a good therapist who checks in with you properly versus like checks you at the door and then you're like, ooh, mm-hmm. you know. But uh, no, we've got a great relationship. She's wonderful. So. One of the best therapist things I've ever heard is someone was talking, using, you use a lot of negative language about yourself. You should stop that. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know I should, I know I should. Brought a Nerf gun to the next session. Stop shooting them. Every time they said something negative about themselves, just shot them. <laughs> I, like, I honestly love that. I honestly love that. I'm sure a couple episode, a couple sessions in, there would be need for extra reloads, magazines. It didn't even make it through the session. He was just like, "Oh God, sometimes I'm so, st- sometimes I need to think more about what I do." Yeah, there you go. <laughs> just see the gun just slowly come up and then slowly go back down. <laughs> God, there's so many movie parts to that. Oh, like so at the good. same time, I would think like. That's perfect for like a superhero setting where you've got a therapist in a superhero setting who does the same thing with actual guns. Oh you know? yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I know you can super heal, so we're gonna have this. We're gonna handle this in a delicate way, right? I know you're the man of steel, and bullets only bounce off of you. But I have it on good authority; they sting. So blam, blam, blam. <laughs> what the hell was that? A desert eagle? Yeah, I wanted to make my point. <laughs> walk, walk it off, cupcake. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> This ain't trauma for you, honey. <laughs> right. <laughs> Carrot or the stick. That's all it's going to be. You've had Carrot worse. Or the stick. <laughs> In any case, uh, it is February. It is February. And we kind of decided that February was going to be, like, you had said you wanted to make February a red month. You uh, want you wanted it to be different. I, I thought, since this is going to be the last time we do February, since, since you know, we are we are sunsetting the show come, what, May, I think it is? March. Uh, Mar- it, no. Is it May? I think it's, it's May. May. It is May. I think it's it May. It is May. Yeah. Uh, that we only we only have a handful of shows left that uh, you know we can't really alienate a, an audience that we're not going to have much longer anyways. So uh, yeah, might as well talk about some of the spicier topics that we've been you know trying to keep family friendly. Yeah, yeah. And now that we're not going to be not family friendly except for maybe the last show of the month, but. <laughs> 
But we fair. could get into we can get into some of our spicier, sultrier topics in more in the adult, month of February. Definitely. Yeah, more adult in the in the in the month more of February. Crack, so. crack crack some eggs that we we definitely have tiptoed around, mm-hmm. um, and and discussed in private, uh, oftentimes when talking about other shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this topic inclusive because when we when we got into uh, talking about adult themes, which mm-hmm. is our what we're doing today, um. We kind of it started a long, much longer time ago when we were talking about uh, grittier games and realism and romance, and we kind of danced around the topic and how much we wanted to delve into it and things like that, um, to to really decide like how far are we willing to 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 go and say this is a topic we want to examine. Mm-hmm. And I did a whole bunch of research on Nordic LARPs and like where this kind of uh, this kind of mentality comes from and things like that. But at the same time, I'll flat out say that a lot has changed um, in in just doing the research and going back through some of the historical uh, forums and such that went back to the early 2000s. It's significant how much the community has changed on this topic. Yeah, it really it is. It really was actually. kind of eye-opening. So, um but let, let's let's set some groundwork. Yeah, so, sure. So sure. same thing. I'm, I'm going to straight up say this: that we're not expecting this to be a trigger warning episode, but know that we're going to be talking about topics uh, that may have triggers associated with them. Yeah, yeah. It, the the episode itself is not a trigger warning, but the topics we will be discussing as a of the things you might include in a game are the things sort of things you would include trigger warnings Correct. for and we'll be discussing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. just just to kind of get that out of the way. Um <clears throat> so why do we want to include adult themes in the first place? Yeah, like I, I, we we tend to play very light uh not high verisimilitude games. For that very reason that we want to have fun. Yeah, I mean, we, we talk a lot about, like, power fantasies and mm-hmm. stuff like that, of, like, wanting to be the big damn hero, all these, like, sort of light, pulpy heroics and, 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 and stuff like that. So, like, why would you take a game like this and and put stuff like grief and death and, you know, suicide or something like that into a game? You know, d- does that kind of bring the mood down at the table, you know? Well, I mean, I... I... And that's the I think that's one of the key components about it is understanding the mood of the table and the mood of the story. But at the same time, like it's it it's not really part of game systems. Most systems, and I will say most with a capital M, like more than ninety percent of the systems that are out there don't include adult themes in their topic. Mm-hmm. They just don't. You can find them. Simple searches will find them without a doubt. In fact, our next show and System Spotlight has adult themes inclusive in. Oh, we've yeah. done we've done System Spotlights on it. Urban Shadows is a big one. Mm-hmm. Vampire the Masquerade indicatively has adult themes in it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but for the majority, it's not really included. Like D and D doesn't really have it. And 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 I'm going to go back to Gnome Stew, which I I thought did a a, a wonderful quote on this. This was a, a a blog that I found. The vast majority of games approach mature topics by ignoring them. Yep. Take D and D for example. You know uh, it. You know it's not a game where PCs are supposed to make tough choices or win uh, fair uh, victories or deal with painful topics like rape because it's just not covered in the rules. 
about the closest D&D comes to having evil alignments. And while there are some interesting moral perspectives built into the game, the classic, quote, all orcs are evil, quote, for instance, they're not even remotely part of the game's focus. Mm-hmm. And and that's the truth, is, is that they're not trying to charge you with a moral dilemma yeah. in D&D. I was I that was it was one of those things that like I I was kind of found was a, almost a glaring omission is mm-hmm. that like as a core race they have half orcs mm-hmm. right and then in the monster manual they go on to describe how all orcs are evil mm-hmm. how do half orcs get made I mean I think we all know but nobody talks about it yep. you know how do you have how do you have a half orc character that does not start with a tragic backstory yeah you know and i mean you, without saying it and i'll say it because it's there uh-huh. there's clearly a tie between what they're trying to frame there yeah with the verisimilitude of existence of you know <laughs> The English had a certain opinion about Africans. Yeah. And the idea of African-American blood mixing with white blood had a certain feeling about it, Mm -hmm. but it was never discussed. Right, right. And it's clearly painted in the same light. And and this is a common theme across a lot of cultures that have countercultures that are different than them. I mean, we've seen that in mixed races in pretty much every sci-fi that's out there as well. This is a common cultural thing. The difference is that D&D doesn't address the morality, the ethics, the feeling, any part of that. Mm-hmm. They they avoid it. Yeah, because they want to just, they want to focus on the light heroic fantasy. Correct. You know, they want you more focused on if you're throwing fireballs at your at your opponent rather than what the morality of throwing fireballs at your opponent is. Exactly. Uh-huh. Exactly. So uh, I, I guess, you know, it kind of, kind of comes back to the original question then. Okay, if we're, I mean, most most games dodge it. Mm-hmm. They got to be doing that on purpose. Yeah. And these sort of heavy topics can be a real downer sometimes. Mm-hmm. Why would we ever include them? Well, I think the I think one of the biggest things that is done almost subversively mm-hmm. because we don't recognize that that's the reason why we're doing, it, but it's the truth behind it is is that it's therapeutic. Yeah. It's it's cathartic to have deep connections with the other people at the table, mm-hmm. be it them or their characters. Yeah. And by proxy, I'm just going to flat out say it, you're making a connection with those people. Yeah. You know, you're having emotional ties and experience of love, intimacy, loss, grief, and exposing things. And I'll, I'm using the word intimacy as self-disclosure. Right, not not as sex. No, we're, t- we're talking about, I mean, sex is a way of self-disclosure. It is sure, a sure. sharing of privacy, of dreams, of beliefs, of emotions, of meaning experience. But the key to all of that and the part that makes it truly intimate, and I think um, I, I read that it was uh, Harry Reese and a few others who stated this, is that... A relationship to be intimate is self-disclosure must occur in a context of appreciation, affection, and understanding and acceptance. An intimate experience is not taking place until there's an empathetic feedback, until acceptance and acknowledgement are communicated verbally or non-verbally as an indication that trust is justified. And that is what happens at a table when it's successful. 
mm-hmm. when people sit down and have an empathetic moment with each other and there's there's an understanding that it occurred yeah absolutely and a feeling and a com- either a compassion or even a regardless of a response a justifiable response you were creating that intimate moment yeah, yeah. and that carries waves far beyond the game sure far beyond even the action that occurred and that's the key is that it's rarely the action it's always the the reverberations that come off of it later it's the truly human moments yeah. correct yeah correct. those those moments where uh, you know you can you can you can have all the, the the combat and action scenes and stuff like that that you want but those are like those are like candy you know mm-hmm. they're they're substanceless in a lot of ways yeah um, and, you know, but when you have a moment where, you know, there's a heart to heart where people at the table truly grieve and truly grieve the death of an NPC because it was tragic and unfair yeah. and maybe tears are shed, you know, those are those moments where no mechanic can encapsulate that. I mean, your no be- system can force that into being your betrayal. That you you orchestrated in our last game, yeah, was like cratering from a meteor hitting, yeah, at the table. It was impressive. It was emotional. It was a tie. I, I, I you know, everybody was bound in a different way to it. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't the act. It was the response yep. that put us all together. And some of us, like myself, I'm still struggling to figure out how my character will finally react to this. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm still stunned, and I tend to believe that that's what my character is handling it like. Yeah, dead honest, stunned, and I don't even know what to do with this is a valid reaction. Right, you know? right. You but, know, it, but it was it was a powerful enough moment at the table that it created that reaction. Correct, you know? correct. I, I, you had said when we were doing the review on this that it's... Uh, that that having an intimate moment in table is the dark souls of role playing. Yeah, yeah. I mean I, and I, I I we joke about that. You know, you yeah. throw that out a lot, you know, the the the, the dark souls of whatever. But yeah. but it kind of is. Um in the sense that dark souls is renowned for its difficulty, mm-hmm. right? And but it's also renowned as being a very rewarding experience mm-hmm. because of that difficulty. Yeah. It is harsh, but it is fair. And if you engage with it, and you are able to overcome it, mm-hmm. then the feeling of victory you get from defeating a Dark Souls boss is head and shoulders above the feeling you get from defeating some easy mode throwaway boss in any other game, mm-hmm. you know, because of the difficulty curve of it. And so, you know, if you do have, if you can get these genuine moments of intimacy, these genuine moments of of, of therapeutic catharsis at your table mm-hmm. where you share a real human moment... Those are like the Dark Souls of role-playing. You Mm -hmm. will get much more satisfaction out of those moments in role-playing than you will from any nat 20 on a, you know, on firing your bow at that dragon. Yep. You know? I agree. I completely agree. I agree. I agree. I agree. I I think stepping away from therapy, uh, drama. Straight drama. dramatic. You know, the conflict doesn't come from a salad. (laughs) <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yes. Despite what marketing ads would like to have you believe, or memes involving a cat. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know. Um, but it's true. Like, if we're having a honest conflict, it is because of these themes most of the time. Mm-hmm. And to understand that conflict, you have to understand the drama behind it. Yeah. 
And that's what makes it human. You can't, I mean, it's one thing to have a villain who literally just wrings his hand and twirls his mustache and is evil. But it's a throwaway. It doesn't feel anything. What makes him evil? What is he doing that is evil within our conception of evil? You know, Um, actually, uh, uh, kind of of germane to this point, Heatsink, much earlier in the live chat uh, tonight, um, dropped the comment, killing feels very adult. As as in adult themes and yeah. how combat is not an adult theme necessarily. He said combat feels very adult and I want to bring it right back around to this mm-hmm. point because you're absolutely right. How do you have a game about combat without in some way acknowledging that when you have combat you kill things? You're, I, you're not going to explore the impact of those deaths, of loss, of grief. We often bring food around, and I'm going to reference food for this just to help with a situation. There is a difference between going to McDonald's for a cheeseburger because you're hungry at this moment in time. You'll not remember that cheeseburger. Mm -hmm. You'll barely think about it literally after its final bites move past your lips. Yep. I'm already onto the fries, buddy. But if you go for a steak, you sit down, you take the time to order it, you place that order... You place the order the way you want it. Mm-hmm. You get the sides that you want, and it comes prepared beautifully. You're going to remember it yep. far, far better because there's a lasting effect of how you're doing it. You're committing to eating exactly. versus just, I, I'm, I just need food in my mouth. Right, right. A candy bar probably would suffice the same way. Whatever, dude. A cheeseburger is a cheeseburger is a cheeseburger. But right. a steak, I want. How would you like that cooked? Oh, now I'm personalizing it. Yeah, you know. And that's that's the difference what between size, a meal and a solution. Yeah, right. And that's that's the key is that combat is easy. Mm-hmm. Honestly, killing is hard. Oh yeah. And I think that's the semantical difference. There is huge. Uh huh. And so that is drama. Drama is knowing who you're slaying and why. Yep. And it's actually, the, the, we, we, we mentioned a number of times how my character crossed that line in your 7th C game. Mm-hmm. And it is precisely this line that she crossed. Because I didn't defeat him in heroic combat. I murdered a man. Yeah. In, in not really cold blood, because it was, it was a combat. They were trying to board our Without ship. Without a doubt. But I just I just put the crosshairs on his head and pulled the trigger. Yeah. There was nothing heroic about it. He stood no chance. No. No. And and that's what I did. I, I didn't I didn't defeat. I murdered. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You don't slay. Yeah. <laughs> that comment. I, I I still hear that ringing in my head from uh Hatter from uh the, the most recent uh re-rendition of uh, Alice mm. uh, because it you know I don't slay you don't slay <laughs> because that's the thing is that most of us don't yeah it's just combat right yeah that's all it is you don't think about those no. things you no. know and so when you when you do have stuff like this and this kind of reaches back to our gritty violent stories is that violence and grit means that there are consequences yeah that the world reacts to your actions when you go and take out you know you when the farmer tells you that there are goblins up in a cave that have been coming down and stealing his goods 
and you know he needs you know he wants it taken care of and you go up there and come back with goblin heads and he's disgusted mm-hmm. like okay the problem solved but get those the hell out of here and right. then people in town look at you funny like okay we've always had goblins they just started coming down into town we didn't necessarily mean you should go murder them right they're a they're they're a little pest we wanted you to call a few we didn't want you to bring back damn trophies yeah and And, celebrate it right like okay you guys are clearly mercenaries we're gonna feed you and get you the hell out of town please leave before dawn we don't want the children to wake and ask questions you know that's that's realism that's violence being noted as violence Mm -hmm. right and you know it's understanding that things like that when you switch a game to that mode your players need to know it needs to be communicated that that now you have a rating system for your game yeah because yeah they're gonna feel the difference they're gonna feel that piece i think in that show we talked about invincible the show yeah yeah like, yeah it is a super violent show but all of that violence isn't horror. It's in service to the narrative because you need to see what a superpowered character is capable of in this setting. And they strip away all of the niceties of yeah, Superman threw a man through you know through a wall and then he's off screen and we never see him again and we never learn his name and we don't think too much about how he shattered 47 bones in that man's body and he'll never walk again. Right. You know, but it, it it's just it's just Superman and he defeated the bad guy. You should feel happy about this. You know, Invincible pulled those blinders off of all of our eyes and went, "No, when a superhero throws a man through a wall, bricks don't yield that easy." Yeah. And and there's something to be said that it doesn't have to be that critically harsh mm-hmm. in the way that you depict it i mean we we also talk about uh venture brothers sure and it, it's kind of done in a tongue-in-cheek way but there's still consequences when mm-hmm. brock drives his car around the inside of the superhero's lair and slams into people they're in horror yeah all of those henchmen are terrified of what's going on it's they samson sh- they should be terrified you know and when it's over and like months later like Brock's just like, you know, you know, like, I recognize you. Yeah, I was attached to the front end of your car with my buddy Chuck, by the way, who's still in traction, mm-hmm. you know? And he, <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm sorry. You went way over the line, Brock. You know? Yeah. And, like, Brock feels bad about it at that point. But that's the whole thing is, is that even though it's a little tongue-in-cheek, it still shows the realism, the drama of that moment and mm-hmm. the impact of what it did to that guy. Yeah, yeah. Like, I love the idea of early murdering of the villain and the henchmen coming back in a mm. vengeance because of what they did to the man that they adored mm-hmm. or the woman that they adored. Yeah. You know, and it's like, you that's real drama. That's hitting hard. That's them looking at you saying, you know, well, they've got you, you know, chained up. And they're just like, oh, are you going to be like a typical villain? No, no, I'm not. You murdered my boss. Mm-hmm. in cold blood for you you could have taken him in you could have done any number of things but you just straight up murdered him yeah. yeah you put hundreds of us without a home without anything to know what to do no there there was only one thing that we could do and that was come and find you yep and end this the right way right you know, who's, it's like, the, who's the villain yeah <laughs> who's the villain yeah exactly and that's 
drama. Mm-hmm. That's impact. That's feeling. Yeah. Right. And that's scary sometimes. It's it is scary sometimes. And in I dare say a lot of games, like I said, don't talk about how to introduce that, how to bring that around, how to manage it. It's not in the mechanics. In most cases, in in a lot of cases, um, I, I mean, uh, I I I know I know we have a very specific game that we're that we're segueing into here. Yeah. Um, but I wanna I wanna segue slightly off topic before we get there. Go for it. I'm just saying because it's not in the show sheet, and I didn't want to, <laughs> I didn't want you to be like, "Where are we going with this?" Anywhere you want to go. Uh, uh, is uh, Vampire the Masquerade? One hundred percent. Both you and I grew up playing that game a lot. We did. Um, through and... our very formative years of like young adulthood. Yeah, and uh, uh, it was probably the first, you know, like the first real like non D and D. Well, I mean, I, I grew up on Palladium, Palladium, so I guess that's not really true. But like, it's not it the it was the first kind of like. This is about drama and character style game that I played, rather than this is a combat game. You know. Yes, I will agree with that. It was the first game that had LARP involved with it. Yeah, and yeah. in that sense, the LARP was about talking. There, were, nobody had boffers. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. It was posed to me as a very political game. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it did say right on the cover as a game of personal horror, whether mm-hmm. it was played that way or not. You know? Right, 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 right. Um, it was at least posed to us this way. But I think that was that was kind of a lot of where it ended. Um, we were talking earlier, and you mentioned that uh, uh, it wanted to be Anne Rice. The books. The books of, the books of Anne Rice, where it dealt with the, the personal horror of being a creature of the night, and what is the morality of existing and continuing to support your own existence when you must kill and hunt to do that. You yeah. Know? How much do you look at them as sheep or how much do you look at them as children? Yeah. That you have to cultivate in some level or, or, or art pieces or any number of things. Right. And if you turn someone else into a vampire, are you giving them a gift or a curse? Right. No, I mean, 100%. A little bit of both, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, I think that's, that's what they wanted the game to be. Mm-hmm. But because of how it was written and because of how the rules focused on things like combat and they focused on things like the different skills that allow you to like shapeshift and wolf claws the powers and, of the clan yeah the powers of super strength and the super speed and all that um, right how much they hated each other you know things like that were were kind of sidelined almost to what their abilities were right right and so you ended up with more like everybody looked at it and went oh this is blade this is underworld yeah and didn't say this is supposed to be Anne Rice. Yeah. Or I should say few people did. Yes. Um, in my experience. And I, I really just think, again, that was a kind of a symptom of how it was written. What and, what the rules tried to focus on. And, and then what like society that. saw at that time. Yeah. Vampire and their interact, you know, modern day vampires and what that looked like. You know, what did Bram Stoker's Dracula look like really mm-hmm. like that was the closest that we got to questioning the morality but then we're immediately presented with the the movie versions of Anne Rice right which were not about the 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 struggles of conflict but a lot of murder and and may, and, and a bit of mayhem mm-hmm. you know and control um very and, and very sexual very powerful you know yeah. you had underworld which was you know, all about combat and sleekness and, and, you know, children of the night being this thing to adore. Latex bodysuits and guns akimbo. Yeah. Yep. You know, and, and werewolves being these other things. And then, we're you know, as we progress down that... Michael Sheen, too, right? Yeah. God, yes, Michael Sheen. Jesus. 
Such an amazing actor. Oh, God. Can't get over that one. So good. Um, but And that progressed even through other shows. Like, that didn't stop that from being the theme. Mm-hmm. No matter what we were presented with, it was sexy vampires doing dangerous things in a world of, of effectively government control. Right, right. In, regardless of what you call that government. Not really thinking about who they were and what they were doing. That was a side commentary. And then on, on top of all of that, too, like I said, the, the, the rules themselves, there were rules for things like humanity, you mm-hmm. know. Um, they had this thing called the Hierarchy of Sin, which mm-hmm. was basically a very fancy way of saying um, how you are f- – the, the, the conflict between the beast within and mm-hmm. the humanity you're desperately trying to hang on to. Yes. And when you do something bad, when you give in to the beast mm-hmm. uh, and you do a vampiric thing, it should hurt your humanity. Mm-hmm. The more you become okay with the beast and stop trying to be the human you used to. Yeah. And if you slip far enough, you're it like you're outright you turn your character sheet in because yeah. you're just not identifiable as anything close to human anymore. You're a feral monster. Yeah, that just in in uh, unslakeable thirst for blood. You know. Yep. yep. Um, and that was what that game was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I was discussing with you earlier. I said I'd be interested to pull the, those rules back out. Yeah. And. See what a game with our modern sensibilities and understanding of what personal horror should be would play like. And and I even said that I think we would roll about as few dice as we do when we're trying to do social stuff in D&D. Yeah. Like, it wouldn't be a combat game. It wouldn't be a... Control would still be a thing. Mm-hmm. Dominance would still be a thing. But those things would come out when we were losing humanity. Yeah. Exactly. When we had to fold into that other existence. And you you mentioned earlier, too, um, how the gaming community has come a long way. Very much so. uh, As far as these things go. So, like, (laughs) back when we played Vampire, Mm -hmm. uh, a a lot of the prevailing opinions of including adult themes in the games was essentially, if your players don't like it, they should rub some dirt in it and walk it off. Yeah, I, I, I literally, while going through the research for this, uh, Vampire came up a lot. And early 2000s to even like mid to late 2000s, the prevailing commentary about uh, how do I handle intimacy and things like that in the game, you know, is that uh, people were like, well, Vampire is a very rapey game. Vampires are dominant. They just take what they want and do these effectively human rapes for blood and things like that. So it's just going to happen. That's going to be a theme that's going to come up. You know, they they treat them like toys. Right, right. And it's like... If your players don't want to talk about rape, they shouldn't play vampire. Like, pretty much. I don't know that that's a one-to-one comparison, my guy, you know? Yeah, it's it's a very carnal game, and I'm like... No, it's not. I, I'm not. I'm not saying that it doesn't come inherently with adult themes, but yeah. you know, the idea that you should never have a discussion about safety and that you should never take your player's safety into concern is a very old-fashioned, you know, way of way of thinking about things. You know, and I, I think a lot of those same people are the same people who, you know, honestly believed that GamerGate was about ethics and game journalism. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, it's you still, not in the you still rules. See it on, Re- on Reddit. You you, you definitely know. do. You well, definitely. What do. should I do about this situation? Oh, if your players shouldn't shouldn't you know if they don't want that, they shouldn't be at your table. Well, 
no, actually, it is okay mm-hmm. <laughs> to to take your players' concerns into into do uh, into account. Yeah, yeah, we'll come back circling back to that. But after that, mm-hmm. we have had, especially with I, I think with the birth of Powered by the Apocalypse and uh, the game community, the game design community that came in follow up of that, we saw a lot of different gamers coming out of that. We saw a shift in the vampire community of that uh, of that style of gameplay into something where the game had mechanics for it. Mm-hmm. I mean, Urban Shadows is a direct example today that literally has moves in the game called intimacy moves. And each archetype in the game has one, and it represents how you connect to moments of physical and emotional closeness. It's part and parcel to the game, whether it's vampire feeding or sex or psychic bonding. You know, it, it doesn't matter. It is a connection. It is a way for you to empathize with someone who is moving through something that is challenging for them on a supernatural level. And that right there allows you to, through the mechanics, work through those moments. And that's straight up paints a different picture about how we view things and how we can view things mm-hmm. because you can't just say, well, you know, just w- walk it off. No, it, it's in the rules. Like there's, there's line items for this. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's what this game is about. And this game is teaching us how to play it. You know, um, urban shadows actually did a really great job of like having a mature content section that did a nice job of breaking things down. Urban Shadows, I want to say, was my first part by the Apocalypse game um, that I really like dug into. I think I'd gotten Dungeon World, but yeah. I didn't really understand how to read it. Well, and it didn't, in all honesty, you didn't know that it was powered by the Apocalypse at first glance. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah, Urban Shadows, we, we did this, uh, we spotlighted it in uh, episode 193 from uh, January of 2023. Yes. Um, so if you're looking for Honestly, that episode, that you wanna, if you want to learn more about that, yeah. uh, that was one year ago, basically. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you, like you said, it has a really good section in there. And this is the first time I actually learned about like things like the X card and stuff like that. You'd heard about it, but you had never seen it in, no. in check. Really? No, I'm pretty oh. sure Urban Shadows is the first time I heard, I, I read the words X card. Interesting. Okay. Okay, uh, okay. And then I started seeing it everywhere else. Mm-hmm, uh, and mm-hmm. I thought, oh, well, cool. They, they Somebody else read Urban Shadows too. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not saying it originated in Urban not Shadows. In the this least. is the first place I learned of it. So Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it, it was prevalent. And then uh, a few major houses that, that obviously made it bigger into the game scene really kind of brought it to the light. I think it was really great. And they express that it's important, that mm-hmm. it is something you need to lean on. And like, even as a storyteller, you need to be the first person to use those to help allow the table to feel comfortable in use of it. Be the first follower. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you, that it, you were the first person to throw an X card in my game. Yes. Uh, in fact, I think, I think to date the only person to the throw only. an X card. Yep. Yep. Um, and uh, you had mentioned, uh, and we were kind of talking about it later, that you felt very, like, you were very uncertain mm-hmm. whether or not you should throw that X card. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because you, you didn't want you, know, you didn't want to break the flow of the game, you didn't want to interrupt other people's mm-hmm. fun, but you felt overwhelmed by the scene, so, yep. you know, yep. there was that sort of inner conflict. Yep, exactly. And it, it, and it was necessary, I think, in the end. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the point of the X card, is to handle, it, it, are you uncomfortable? Yes. Then... Handle it. Yeah. There's no reason to be uncomfortable. Right. That's the right. whole point of it. Um, 
Another thing they point out is avoiding defaultism. And I, when you first, at first glance, you're like, okay, I don't quite understand what, what you're trying to say here. But the point of it is, is that we default to what we see in our news and media mm -hmm. about adult themes, whether it's, you know, rape, bigotry, uh, assault, things like that. We, we follow the standard tropes. This person assaulted that person in this way. Yeah. And yeah. it's. It's contemporary, and it's very grounded in our reality. Mm -hmm. And what they're saying is is that's not true for where you are at. Yep. Where your characters are at in this game. Don't immediately default to those things. There's nothing that says that you can't have the same type of depth within your setting that makes sense for the setting. So instead of instead of like a a murderous homophobe or something like right. that, you know, which is a very real, very personal thing, yeah. you know, uh make it like a ravenous vampire that is collecting the brains of educated scientists for whatever reason, yeah. you know. S still has a lot of the same feeling, but it's one degree away. Yeah. Like and, and it's and it, and it draws people into your setting instead of taking them back out of your setting. Exactly. You see this a lot. Uh, defaultism. You see this a lot in discussions, especially like kind of around D and D, where um, you've got a uh, uh, Western European medieval setting. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, and it, I mean, D and D obviously is not Western Europe. No. It does not take place on Earth. No. It does not have the same cultural influences, even remotely. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet you still see people in, dis in certain discussions being like, oh, well, I have things like misogyny in my game because back then that's what people were like. I'm like, back then when? Yeah. You know, did did misogyny originate in Candlekeep or yeah. Waterdeep? Like, yeah. Ba back then, wh where... Yeah. What what historical figures are we talking? You know, what, what I, I didn't realize that you know uh, that monotheism existed in Neverwinter. Right. Exactly. You, you know? know, you hear the same thing about homophobia. You know, yeah. it's like it's like oh well, you know, people think it's against God. Like what what why would they? Yeah. You know. First off, all elves pretty much look the same. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Corlon Lathan, or I, th I think was is, 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 yeah. yeah, is you know known to change genders on a whim, very fluidly. And, yeah. and I'm sorry, druids do it all the time. Exactly. So. so that I mean, and that's that's the thing is is that don't lose sight of the context your players are in and in and enhance the story by using it. Mm -hmm. um, another thing is is that we often lean into the action of the moment and not allude to the cruciality of it. That we have this place where it happened, the room where it happened, if you will, that often has more evidence than necessary about the instance. You don't have to explain the act when you walk in to the pub and the broken tables there and windows and bloodstains. Yep. And, and you know... The guards are literally walking people out, you know, sometimes on stretchers and other ones who are limping and some who are still sheltered in the corner from the horror. Yeah. Like, that has way more impact than walking into the fight. Which was more horrific for you guys at my table? The gibbering mouther or the person who used to be the gibbering mouther's husband coming to you at midnight and going... She's 
changed. Neither. Yeah? The worst one was the baker. The baker? The scene. I'm trying to remember. We, we, the, back in, uh, 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 Strahd's, or not Strahd, uh, the, the, uh, when the, the scene was closed off and we got into the baker's house, or the, the baker's shop, mm-hmm. who had been murdered by, uh, the vampire and her crew. Oh, and, that one. Yeah? And we were trying, because we had to look at the scene to figure out what happened. Yeah. Uh, yeah, um, um, uh, a baker had been murdered in in his uh, in his shop, and he had written uh, the the name of his killer in blood on the wall next to him, just entirely exsanguinated. And we kind yeah. of knew that it wasn't what it, ex- it appeared to be, but we had to look at it to figure that out. Yeah, and that's far worse. Yeah, like we're. This isn't something we do every day of the week. Especially when you guys realize that it was a, a cheap frame job. Mm-hmm. Um, that they were trying to frame the person whose name was written in blood on the wall. And then you're like, did they make... Did they Did they beat this guy and make him, him do write it. his... Like, you start thinking of the movie Seven at that point. Yeah. You know, of like, what torture did they threaten this man with to make him write this word in his own blood? You yeah, know? so again, it's not so much the act, it's the scene after that often does it. Yeah. It's the it's the fallout. You didn't watch him suffer, but you you it was heavily implied from what you witnessed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh I read one that that really hit me, and that was is you had the players uh were were advancing uh quietly up on a uh a keep that they believed had been taken over by a group of thugs um, to hide out in, um, and it was rumored that there had possi- that they possibly had taken, uh, you know, uh, prisoners or something like that. And as they approached the keep, the d- storyteller said, um, "I'm going to just put an X card on the table upside down, and if anybody needs it, flip it. But I'm I'm going to present something." Mm-hmm. And they were like, okay, okay. And they said, you know, as you're approaching in the very dim light of the day, you see a shadowy figure shambling at you. And they're like, is it, is it a zombie? Did they raise the dead? Oh my god, how horrific would that be? And like, as it gets closer, you can see it's someone clutching bits and pieces of clothing to their body. Her hair is matted. And he got, like, one sentence further, and someone reached out and flipped the card. They said, enough. I'm good. I'm good. We're murdering everyone in that damn keep. <laughs> yep. Because it was... Yep. They did not want to know more through description. Yeah. They were done. Yeah. They were just done. They what were did like, they do? They hurt them. Yeah. That's all you need to... They hurt them. And you're like, them. you're like, okay. Okay. Like, yep. that person, we're healing them Yep. as best as we can, because we can't heal the mental scars. And then we're going to kill everybody in that keep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was like, okie dokie. Yep. And it was it was palpable, he said at the table, of how much they wanted to make sure that that place paid. Mm-hmm. And at, after it was all said and done, like one person came to them and said, did they all do it? Or was it was it just a select few there? Did you Did you decide that? And the group was like, that's just something we're gonna have to live with. They were, 
I, I'm going to sleep at night by yeah. telling myself they were all complicit. Yeah, but don't worry, they were all bad. Like, yeah. that, that whole concept, yep. you know? Yep. And so I think that leads to the other point that they put in the mature context, which was emphasizing the consequences. Emphasize the consequences, yep. You know, there's nothing, like, we said it about the, the goblins, but, like, th- th- that's a harsh example, but, like, even just a previous act that mm. that your group might have done, like that torturing was, a, a bandit, yeah, that was press ganged against his will into uh, banditry, shut up, <laughs> and breaking his fingers and demanding answers of him, yeah, and then setting him free only to run into him months later, yeah, yeah, and being called a killer through the whole thing, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like that, yeah, is that just, what you're talking just, about? Just like that, okay. emphasizing the consequences, okay. Yeah, okay. exactly like that. Yeah, we can move on now at any time. It's a little PTSD there. Uh, yeah, and then the last one, obviously, solicit, uh, solicit feedback early and often. Yeah, don't wait till you do this kind of right, stuff to right. ask for feedback. Start early. L- let your players be comfortable with giving you feedback about the game so that when those heavier moments hit, they feel comfortable with stating themselves yeah. and, and stating how they feel yeah. about it. And help them be okay with staying because some people at the table may be like oh this was awesome and somebody else at the table would be like i didn't really enjoy myself mm-hmm. and that should be great that they said that okay well what well, tell me about it more you know yeah yeah it's, i think it's great you really enjoyed yourself but i need to hear this super important that you validate that kind of feedback um yep. when you flipped the x card mm-hmm. when we talked about it later the thing that you told me was the reason you felt okay about the situation flipping the X card was because the moment you did it, I went, okay, valid. Talk to me about what you're feeling right now. Yep. What is it What is it about the experience we are X carding? Mm-hmm. How can I make the experience palatable to you? I never said, oh, c- come on, Rob, really? Yeah. Nope. Wasn't, wasn't part of that at all. I never rebuked you. Yeah. And I, that is the key to the X card is immediate acceptance. Yes. And it's it's hard. That is not easy for us to do in a moment. I actually want to dip down into our questions because we have a question about this very topic. I think that's great. And I feel like we should throw it in right now. It's from <laughs> Nevim. Um, Nevim asks, uh, should a GM warn about triggers uh, in the scenario before the game and maybe spoiling some of the scenario by doing so? Or do you keep it hidden, but on the other hand, have some emotional security mechanism like the X card? Or something else, a secret third thing. The first thing I'm going to say is expose. There's no reason to hide. The situation will unfold. Yeah, It's it's never going to be like, oh, I missed the surprise. No, no. It's going to hit differently than you think it will. Yeah, because like, they don't know everything that's in your head as a storyteller. They have no idea. I, I, feel, I feel also like our culture has heavily shifted towards spoilers being the ultimate sin you can commit with a story um and really that's that's really not the thing you know um i i warn my players very openly and very vocally about themes that i that i'm going to include um i mean i had a whole discussion with you guys about uh when 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 the bandits were becoming involved i said is it okay if children are involved here I'm I'm not planning on killing any of the children. Like right. there's it's never going to be a scene where like oh they they bring out an 8-year-old and then they just murder him in free. It's never going to be like that, you know. Mm-hmm. But if children are possible combatants mm-hmm. that you may have to make some choices about. Is that a thing that is acceptable for you guys? Yeah. And everybody went, "Ooh, that's harsh." 
but yeah, I would. I think we're going to be okay. It would it would be deep. We'll keep our finger on the pulse there, but I think we're okay. Yeah. And yeah, sure. I mean, okay. A couple of the bandits had little had like a fifteen year old and a fourteen year old holding crossbows and shoved them out into the battlefield and went get going. Yeah, this is this is your initiation, much like a gang. One of your one of the players saw that, decided it was unacceptable, not in an X card sort of way, but in a roll for initiative. Yeah. I I hit him in the head with an arrow way. Yep, yep. Uh, and it it was great. It was a great, very powerful scene. But mm-hmm. I, I I that's never something I would just spring on you guys you know right and and even like the previous uh one that i talked about of the the shambling individual like the storyteller leading into that scene said hey i'm putting this out here this one could be rough here's the x card if you need it now here's the scene yeah i'm gonna start this off very slowly yeah and it was clear that he had the sensation that this could get very uncomfortable Mm-hmm. And and it was good that he did that, that he yeah. prefaced it so that it wasn't like somebody was just sitting there taking the trauma in and not being able to accept it. I, I, I put that off to the same point of sitting with a group, you know, when you're in your teens or even early 20s or even possibly later, where they're like, hey, we're going to watch this movie. And it gets to a thing that you're uncomfortable with in the movie mm-hmm. and you're sitting there amongst people who are enjoying it and you're uncomfortable. Yeah, that's hard. Yeah. You didn't know that was coming up. Oh, you yeah. Don't, how do you manage that? Like, and, and it taints the rest of your feelings about that moment and mm-hmm. those people around you and the movie. We we recently watched The Menu. Oh, God. Which is a really good movie, first off. It's powerful. But uh, I I have a, a, a pretty sizable suicide trigger mm-hmm. for what should be obvious reasons. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, there is a scene in the movie where someone does that. Yeah. Um, and very, very suddenly and violently. Mm-hmm. Um, and you kind of like it, it gets telegraphed. Yeah. And you can you can feel it coming and you're like, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. But like so for me watching like the menu was a it was a horror movie. Yeah. It felt like saw if it were produced yeah. by the Food Network, you know, mm-hmm. Um, but like I started reading reviews of it online because this is the first I kind of had actually heard of the of the, of the movie it was a mm-hmm. few days prior to this. Um, and so it, I I kind of came out of left field and here I have a lot of fanfare for it. Mm-hmm. So I kind of want to see how other people perceived the movie. Sure. And everybody was like, "Oh yeah, it's a it's a black comedy." We were laughing all the way through it, and I'm like, "No, oh I I experienced that entirely different." Yeah. Oh, I was sick to my stomach halfway. I mean, it's a good movie. Don't mm-hmm. get me wrong. Please, mm-hmm. please understand that I hold the movie in the highest regard, and it is my personal trigger that made me not enjoy that scene a lot. But, but damn, there, you know. I mean, I will flat out say it. We have a dear friend who has a daughter, an only child, mm-hmm. and there are movies that man will not watch. Oh yeah. Because, not because he's worried about his daughter getting injured or anything like that, but the fact of her just, the she knows she's going to leave the nest at some point. Mm-hmm. And that really, really gets to him. Yeah. The, the, that is a real feeling. That is a dramatic moment, a traumatic moment in his mind. Yeah. That's yeah. going to happen. So, being able to pre- present that something's going to happen. You can't know everybody's trigger. You can't know everything. And that's why the X card is out there 
for especially for adult themes, especially for things of of like this, so that when you see discomfort. It is an obligation to everyone at the table to be willing to flip that card and look at someone and saying, hey, are you okay? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So so to answer the question, yes, communicate. Yeah. Yes. Be prepared to watch your group do more than cringe. Solicit feedback early and often means when you have the idea about it, when you're going to field it on the table, during the scene. Mm-hmm. It's it's okay. It's yeah. okay to just stop for a second, just stop for a beat in the middle of the scene, and be like, "Everybody cool? Yeah. Do we do we need do we need an X card, or can we proceed? You know. You know. Are we good to just take it as a pause? Yeah. I mean, Nordic Larpeg basically has two positions for their stuff. They don't just have like a stop. Right. Like they have a pause and a stop. Yeah. And yeah. you can call either one of those. Mm -hmm. Like when it's a pause, everyone just takes a breath. They check in with what's going on. There might might need to be a monologue or maybe even like a veil that happens mm -hmm, instead. Mm -hmm. But if it's a stop, everyone agrees that the scene changes. Yeah. yeah. Nobody asks questions. Nobody. It doesn't matter who called it. The scene changes. That's it. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> to come back to that, like, well, we don't need the X card. We're all adults here. You know, well, Nordic LARPs do this all the time. They deal with traumatic situations. I'd like to point <laughs> no, out the buddy. fact that most Nordic LARPs that do that kind of thing also have a <laughs> required uh, workshop time period prior to the game even running that is often as long, if not longer, than the game to prepare everyone for it. Yeah. Where they yeah. practice the X card. They practice stops. They practice and move through all the mechanics of the intimate challenges that occur so that when you get to the game situation, it becomes second nature for everyone to just accept these things as canon law. Yeah, exactly. I mean, hell, even even the, uh, Thirsty Sword Lesbians, or we're actually going to be talking about that next week as our yeah. system spotlight, um, not only promotes the use of the X card, but actually gamifies it in a way. Um, yeah, they actually, yeah. They actually want you to throw them out like potato chips. Uh, at the end of each session, all PCs gain XP if someone used a safety tool during the session. Yeah. It, like, I, you know, cons, cons, <laughs> as uh, Marlo, Marlo Singer from Fight Club says, I consider this asshole tax. Yes. <laughs> you know? But but the point but, of it is is to make it comfortable. Yeah, make it comfortable. Make it make it so common. Because the the big the, the big problem with the X card, and this is why why I said like immediately validate the person who flipped the X card. Mm -hmm. This is why I said that because there is a thing when someone is having a trauma response. Uh, and I know this because everyone's therapist will tell you this mm -hmm. is your one of your first. Um, uh, uh, impulses is going to be am I traumatized enough? Is yeah. it that big of a deal? Everyone around me seems to be having fun so maybe maybe I can just swallow this one mm -hmm. and and not flip the X card because I don't want to I don't want my trauma to ruin everyone else's fun. Yes. And so you just eat it. You, you just you just soak it, you know, and yeah. and you you never you never touch the X card. So thirsty sword lesbians is like, no, nah, throw it, throw it, throw. It. Everyone should throw it at least once, you yep. know. Yep. Just just X card. It, you you want a bathroom break? Throw the X card. Yeah. You know, it should be that common. Yes. So that nobody feels weird about reaching out and grabbing it. Yeah. And 
to kind of circle back to the acceptance of that and the idea of consent being all across role playing. Mm-hmm. Um, I was reading a more recent thread about a vampire LARP where one of the characters happened to basically have a power that allowed them to trigger everyone's vice to run rampant. Mm-hmm. And there were players at that game who were like, um, my vice is like full on like sexual assault. Right, right. Like it's terrifyingly bad. Like I, I'm not comfortable with this. Yeah. Like yeah. I, 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 I will not role play that. And his commentary was, you know, uh, was the question of like, well, should people just have to deal with this or, you know, because of what vampire is in a previous post back in the 2000s, there was a lot of response of just like, well, yeah, just get over yourself. Mm-hmm. You know what you were getting into. Now the responses were players boundaries are absolutely Trump. It doesn't matter what the story is. Yep. Any yep. anything forcing people into sex, sexual situations, or anything of the sort is wrong and criminal. criminal. <laughs> if yeah. a player doesn't want to explore sexual themes, drop it. Yeah. If sex is absolutely critical to your game, be upfront about expectations before the game even starts so that player can give their informed consent. Anything less is terrible. Yeah, I loved this line. A human being's personal boundaries are not an intrusion into your gaming. Yep. Like, yep. if you can understand that mm-hmm. and accept that, you're doing it right. If you think someone's boundaries is intruding on your fun, change your heart, figure out your existence, you don't belong at the table. Yes. Yes. You don't Absolutely. belong at that table. Absolutely. If if, if you Think of it this way. If you can look at another human being who is just in earnest told you the thing you're doing is hurting me and I am suffering. It is not your place to ask why. It is not your place to to be like, well, you're not suffering that bad or you're if someone tells you they are suffering your only place as a human being is to show them compassion. And if you have a say in whether or not they are suffering, you stop what you are doing. You stop your involvement in it. You know, it's as simple as that. Yeah. That's all the X card is, is, hey, this part isn't fun for me. I'm so sorry. Yeah. How can we change it to make it fun for you again? Do you need a moment? Right. I'm sorry you suffered, my friend. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's all that's required of you as a human. Yep. So I, I'm going to circle us back to the very beginning of this whole thing of why we do this. Yeah. We do it for enjoyment. And one person's enjoyment should not come at the cost of someone else having an awful experience. Exactly. That's it. Exactly. There's your adult themes in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. And how to handle it. Yeah. But, so. but if everybody consents to them and everybody can have a good time for them, they can make some really great moments at the table. Yes. All right. Uh, we've got one question left because we only had we only had Nevum and one question from Vedrin. Yeah, people were uncomfortable with asking questions. Clearly, <laughs> we're, we're so sorry. And that's about okay. Your we're suffering. so sorry. We didn't mean to. Um. So Vedrin asks, uh, where do you normally draw your personal lines on these kinds of subjects? For example, I've had players romance NPCs. Always handled it with a fade to black for any racy content. I did, however, have the possibility for consequences. One player married an NPC and played their child in another campaign. Another was surprised to find that a fling had produced offspring and was struggling to decide what to do about it. Um... So, wait, you, you want to know what our personal lines are? 
Uh, okay, so personally, in my games, um, I like PG-13 romance. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like on-screen kisses. Anything further, we fade to black. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to get in-depth describing anything. Um, I will describe the general feel of a kiss in that it is tender or urgent or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But that's about as far as I'll ever go mm-hmm. with describing a, a sexual act. Um, uh, I, I dislike torture. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest. I almost X-carded you breaking that guy's fingers. That's fair. I was this close to doing it. That's fine. Uh, but then Rigar stepped in and was like, Hey buddy, you're crossing a line. And I went, okay, this turned into an inter-character moment and not an interrogation. Yep. I'm going to let that go. Yep. Yep. Um, but it may also be a small part of why I brought that character back to chastise you for it. No reason why not to. Um, other than that, though, like, I think, I yeah, like, tor- torture, torture is, I think, probably my big one. Like, so, uh, we, we, we have combat in a lot of games. It's a, it's, a, it's a system that a lot of role-playing systems focus on, and sometimes players get overzealous about wanting to make their opponents pay for whatever the crime they are, mm-hmm. that they have done. And uh, sometimes that can get into some real Hannibal territory. Yeah. Uh, and I I, gr- I greatly dislike that. So uh, any game that I have, I'm going to I'm going to put the kibosh on that. But uh, other than that, that's that's oh, and absolutely no sexual assault. Like no, no, no doesn't even exist in my world. Mm-mm. It's not it's not a thing you can do, Mm-mm. and it's not a thing any of my villains will ever do. Yeah. Um, I agree with a lot of that. Mm-hmm. I push the innuendo and romance a little further but i do that based upon what the character has designed mm-hmm. like in the case of my 7c game uh chris had uh, a very romantic character written up mm-hmm. like all of his stuff was romance related so and he was gorgeous like he had the traits for that kind of stuff and so people swooned over him mm-hmm. and i i he leaned into it and i would fade to black moments but it was clear that he was the lover. Yeah, sure. And that was I, I let those kind of moments happen. I also pushed it in an, in my D and D game with our half orc because mm-hmm. again he was this very uh, um, rugged paladinic knightly person, and mm-hmm. he, you know, a, a woman swooned over him and was fawning over him. And it wasn't until a certain point where he was just like he, as the character, became uncomfortable, and I could see that. Without asking for it, the player was uncomfortable. Yeah. And so I just immediately pulled the veil on that. Yep. And just pulled it back. It was clear that enough had been laid out. I could now just use the reactions of things that were left, mints on things, scents of of perfume lightly on other things, you know, where it's like the romance is still happening there, the, the, the idea of flirtation, but it's no longer overt. Right, right, right. It is now the consequences of it that can stick around. And I think that within its own framework still works. Mm-hmm. And it was it was much more comfortable in that sense. So there's a dance that happens there, but for me personally, like... I can get lost in creative moments. Mm-hmm. I truly can. But there are certain things that I cannot handle. I like like with you, rape does not happen. Yep. yep. It, if it does, it happens off screen, and it is a horrific yes. outcome. Yes. 
uh, for uh, of of what has occurred. It is beyond evil mm-hmm. an act, and everyone agrees. Even villainy would agree. Right, right, right. Like there, there. <laughs> I dare say that if it was something that a player were to fictionally add into a story, I would nearly have like do the situation where the villain sends the heart of the person who did it back to them, saying, "I apologize that one of my crew had done this. Mm-hmm. It has been dealt with." If you need more recompense than this, please let me know at your earliest convenience, and we yep. shall handle it. Yep. You know, things like that, so that it's clear that that is unacceptable. Yep. Um, yep. So that it doesn't have to come around. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, like, grief and loss and, uh, you know, um, uh, requented love, uh, some of those... Uh, sit, but at a weird place for me uh, that I'm I'm comfortable with. I think bullying is one that I have a very hard time with, but it is not something that is often pushed around. You pushed the edge of that in that in this last story mm-hmm. with uh, with the carrot with the one character, but I was able to change my mind how I was seeing it. Yeah, that it yeah. wasn't so much bullying. Because there was nothing else that was involved. It was one individual. It wasn't like right, right. this person is the uh, – I'm, I'm, I use the word pariah, but that's not right. Uh, the, no, um, pariah pri- is, is a black sheet, the ugly, the ugly duckling of the, of the yeah, clan, basically. Um, but there was nothing else surrounding and 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 using it as a popular popular push. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I was able to step away from it. But I honestly, to God, I cannot watch shows and old, like – 80s and 90s movies where like the the runts being beaten up and, and thrown around or or worse yet he they don't know it right and it's going to happen to them you can see you know it's going to happen i i cannot take that tension Oof. i just can't i just can't yeah, yeah. too too many too many personal triggers Right Too many personal triggers. So that's that's where my lines kind of sit. And in all honesty, even just talking about it here, they're not things that we've discussed as game master to, to, to player or player to game master. Like, those aren't things that have come up often. Yeah. We've learned them out of each other. But it's hard to talk about these lines because you don't think about them. Yeah, I wouldn't. I don't know that I would I, that I would ever think to to consult you guys about bullying. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and and honestly, I I I. I, I I, I see things, you know, from from my perspective, of course, because I wrote the the NPCs and I wrote the plot yep. line. But, yep. uh, you know, them bullying that mage, like, okay, yeah, they they were they were mistreating him, and yeah, he is the the absolute, you know, ugly duckling whipping bitch of the mm-hmm. uh, of 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 the the, the, the house Telvani. But like, um, I don't know that they see what they're doing to him. As no, Vedrin or not, Vedrin, uh, um. Uh, Nolanir was bullying him. The, 100%. the Archmage was bullying 100%. him. One hundred percent. His own house was just doing what they do politics wise, which is how I saw it. Yeah, yeah. But but Nolanir was a bully in that. But it wasn't the same kind of static. It wasn't the the commissioned. I'm going to get everyone else behind me, and I'm going to make him feel lesser. Right. With right. everyone else's consent as well, and and that's I think true bullying. Yeah. One yeah. is just being a jerk. The, he he was an absolute jerk, and the, the the thing that I that I liked about that plot line is that so he bullies the other mage because he believes that since that mage comes from a certain culture, he's going to do bad things. Right, and became a self fulfilling prophecy that because he bullied him, the man lashed out and did the exact bad things that he thought he was going to do. Yep. 
in the first place. Yep, exactly. Exactly. You got the result. And to say the least, his house propagates their own self-fulfilling prophecy. Sure. 100%. That was clear. Sure. So absolutely, you see the you saw firsthand the culture he came from. Yeah. So so, so to kind of, um, I'm sorry, someone was trying to call me. Um, so so to kind of answer your question, um, veteran, in regards to this, it's not necessarily harsh or racy content. Yeah, there is a lot of other kinds of content. I know players at my game who I just from knowing them. There are definite topics that I cannot cross, mm-hmm. um, nor can I set in motion situations. For instance, like I know one of the players at the ter- table, I can't isolate them socially. Mm-hmm. I if if people leave them, that that's a trigger. Yeah, but I I only know that because I know that person intimately. Yep, yep. I've I've known them for twenty years. I know that about them. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, he mentions so, uh, 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 pregnancy a lot in the in his question too. Yeah, and I say that that's a trigger for me. Yeah, actually, well, I would I will not do that to you. Uh, I I mean I don't mind that someone is pregnant, but I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to. I, I I I don't. The more details you give me about about that person being pregnant and what they're dealing with and how they're going through and how far along they um can't do it. Nope. Don't want to. Don't want to hear any bit of that. Nope. Yeah. Nope. 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 Which is why when I handled handled the family thing with you, child wasn't even yours. Yep, child wasn't even mine. No, nope. it's fine. She's already, she's already born, already grown. That's but still attached. But still attached. So still so, so got all those pieces to it. Yeah. So uh, we we hope that this episode gives you a little bit of insight on adult themes and gets you, I, I will say, warmed up for the month <laughs> <laughs> and where we're going with this because. Next week, we're hitting... Thirsty Sword Lesbians! Yes. Defined I... as a joyous, fun, and disastrously romantic. I love that. I <laughs> Thirsty love Sword Lesbians from Evil Hat Games is our system spotlight for this very red month. Keeping up with the team of theme of February, Sarah and Rob will grab their weapons, don their gayest apparel, <laughs> and step into this Powered by the Apocalypse system about celebrating queerness, which I am 100% here for. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm actually excited because there are so many wonderful things that are in this book that uh that are going to be a lot of fun to to mess around with and play and and, and discuss with you guys so yeah. uh be prepared with your with your joyous questions i'm sure we're going to get a few at least so Alrighty. in the meantime you can find us on twitter at st underscore conclaves uh on instagram at st underscore conclave listen to us live every wednesday night 7 p.m eastern time on mixlr.com slash storyteller dash conclave and join us on our discord you can find that link on our twitter as well as our website storytellerconclave.com we'd like to thank our patreon members especially our name members who support us every single month Knox in the box subject the arcane asylum veteran huluvu sam sean and sparkle motion we appreciate all your support support our pre-show music is by arcane anthems you can find them at on instagram or on uh youtube at uh hit uh sorry arcane anthems uh our intro music is beyond the warriors by geefrog you can find them at geefrog.bandtamp.com or on youtube music and our outro music which is only our footprints in the sand by midair machine you can find them at freemusicarchive.org and a big shout out as always to our families vicky and sean thank, thank you so much for loving and supporting us all of our friends who've sat with us at our tables over these years give us great stories to share with you and you every single one of our listeners we love you guys so much love you guys good, good night, night.